Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today we are privileged to have Andy Borak, who is the owner and operator of Red Fern Farm. Andy is a farmer, educator, outdoor professional, husband and father. He wanted to be a farmer all of his life. And with the establishment of Red Fern Farm in 2019, that dream became a reality. Red Fern is a biointensive micro farm dedicated environmental in land stewardship with an emphasis on no-till, no-spray, and human-powered techniques. By focusing on high crop rotation crops, Andy is able to make a small amount of growing space profitable. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. So share a little bit, you know, when you were young, what was it about farming that so interested you? You know, I don't know if I can really put my finger on that. I just, you know, when I was growing up, we had, you know, a couple small vegetable gardens. My, my parents would grow some tomatoes and, and whatnot. And um, we'd go up and visit my family in New York. And my, uh, my aunt had horses and she had chickens at one point and was super into to gardening. And, uh, and I think I, uh, I just lived that freestyle, you know, 90s kid lifestyle. You know, my, mm-hmm. my parents would cut me loose after school and i go play in the woods. And I was just always interested in the dirt and the animals and just like, you know, all the biology. And uh, I've just loved growing things ever since. And yeah, just kind of stuck with me, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's see, what was your journey like? You know, you're, you grew up, did you go to college? Yeah, I, I have a master's degree in education. And, uh, you know, I, aside from the, the couple gardens that I uh, did with my, with my parents, and I was never really a grower. Okay. Um, so, you know, high school, straight into college, um, did some wilderness uh, recreation and adventure sports kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, came back um, as a police officer for a little while. And then I came back into outdoor recreation and, and higher education. That's what I do full time. And, uh, and uh, I just kind of stumbled into to farming, actually. You know, it was, not, it was never an intention. I was always interested in it, but it was never an intention to farm. Mm-hmm. And I just stumbled into it and, and yeah, I just started going full throttle. Okay. So let's see your journey took you into higher education. So are you a teacher now? Is that, that what you do? Um, I take, I not, not a teacher necessarily, not a professor. Um, so I teach students um, outdoor education, adventure education, um, leadership skills. So I take oh, cool. them out ice climbing and rock climbing and backpacking and that type of thing. Oh, fun. That's got to be invigorating. <laughs> invigorating and time consuming. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes, absolutely. Um, so then obviously you have to kind of squeeze the farm into whatever time is left because you also have a couple kids. Yeah, I have two little girls, an eight and a six-year-old. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that age, they want a lot of your time. Um, so yeah. So how do you manage it all? It's hard, um, but uh you know, I try, I get to work uh, in the morning. So I'll get up early in the morning. I'll, I'll feed the chickens. I'll do my quick farm walk. That's typically an off mm-hmm. walk the farm and kind of, you know, assess the veggies, how they're growing and kind of whatever's going on in the morning. Go get up and go to school. And when I come home, I, I take care of them. 
and uh, kind of get them set up for, for the evening, going to get them their homework done, their dinner taken care of. Then I go back outside and I work on the farm and they're outside with me um, for the most most part, you know, this time of year, you know, in winter, it's a little harder. It gets dark really, really quick. Yeah. But in the summer, we have a lot of light. Um, and so um, we, we make it work. And uh, when my wife is home, then uh, she helps out significantly with that. Um, but she works shift work at the local hospital. So um, when she is not here, they're out in the farm with me doing what they can. Yeah. Yeah. And actually six and eight, there's a lot they can do. Yeah, they actually, they, they transplant with me. Uh-huh. Um, they understand so much. It's pretty amazing. Um, the conversations that we have and, and they, they're, you know, how they understand life, that life and death and the plant cycles, and they know so much. It's, it's pretty unreal. Yeah. I'm always amazed by, we do uh, weekly CSA videos for our CSA members. And we basically talk about the different vegetables. And now it's to the point that the kids are pretty much stopping us and say, well, let me tell them about this vegetable. And it's pretty amazing, you know, how they like to cook. They tell like how they like to eat it, you know, the different ways you can prepare it. Um, so it's, it's amazing how much they pick up just by being around us on the farm every day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's education at its finest. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about your micro farm, kind of the overview of like uh, how the setup is. Um, you know, you got some tunnels, you also got field space. Describe a little bit more about the operation. Yeah. So the, the farm itself, so we, we own three acres of property and, and I'd say probably about an acre of that is flat and, and somewhat usable for a market garden. Um, so currently we have a ton, we're putting up our second tunnel right now. Um, we have 28, I think I had to shrink the farm a little bit to squeeze that tunnel into 28 50 foot beds. Okay. Um, and they're, they're all 30 uh, inch wide, 50 foot long, um, kind of no-till style, um, high rotation vegetable production. Um, so those beds there, we're starting a new plot um, on some of our other acreage that is going to be dry farmed Um for this coming season, just to see how that works. And then kind of mixed in with all that, we have a small apiary um, and we run some uh, pastured laying hens. And uh, so it just kind of sits right along a creek mm-hmm. and it's a really flat, sandy creek bed that, we're, that we farm on. And then it kind of goes up into the hills, the rest of the property. So it's not super usable for uh, yeah. vegetables. Yeah, no, I've looked at your Instagram and I highly recommend folks check it out because it is a super beautiful, you know, nestled right in there. Um, yeah, you can see that. That's interesting because you typical Virginia doesn't have a lot of sandy soil. A lot of it's more clay. And uh, for this to look at your soil type is, is, is quite interesting there. Um, do you ever have a problem with the flooding on your farm? Yeah, we do. Um, and so to combat some of that stuff, I've built a couple swales kind mm. uh, of divert the water. Cause we, we're right at the base of a hillside. And so the water will come down. Um, I had a student from Radford University actually come out and do a hydraulic study and they could figure Uh out where the water flows. And so um, actually I'm building a small pond system, kind of capture some of that runoff and then I can divert it down into our creek. Um, So we get we get a little bit of standing water since we sit on the flat. Um, We haven't had any huge floods up and into the farm yet. Um, Knock on wood. Um, Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's definitely a concern, um, but there isn't too much we can do about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just got to kind of deal with it. Um, so with the tunnels now, what's the main crops you're growing in there? 
tomatoes, lettuce, um, peppers, eggplant, and cucumbers. That's kind of the, the main crops that we're growing there. We have parsley in there and basil in there as well, actually. Those, they kind of flank. Now, can you sell a lot of eggplant down there? Not a ton. Um, this was our first, this last season was our first season growing it, and people were eating it up. So huh. um, surprised me, you know, my family's from New York and uh -huh. uh, I remember eating just a ton of eggplant, like eggplant Parmesan and fried all kinds of eggplant when we yeah. go up to visit. Um, but down, yeah, people were, people were picking it up for sure down here at the market. Huh. Yeah. Very cool. Um, now, another thing I noticed a recent post you did about, you know, um, your seed orders and figuring out your, you know, exactly what you're going to grow and you've been streamlining. Talk to us a little bit about that process. Yeah. So I think um, I've kind of put a 30, I have like about 30 crops that I'm growing mm -hmm. and I kind of measure based on my sales, what is the most profitable, what people are buying most of. And, you know, cause my farm is super small. So I have to really strategically pick out what crops I'm going to grow. Yeah. Um, and so as far as I look at my sales data, so I use square and it's mm -hmm. really easy to track like how much you're selling. Absolutely. Um, so I rank all that stuff out and then I figure out, okay, well, what beds do I want to dedicate to what, what did really well last season. And then I'm able to kind of decide how much more seeds I need to order of, you know, whichever vegetable type. Mm -hmm. um, compared to, to last season and the season before sales. I have this running tally um, that I'm kind of keeping track of what people are buying and, and what I should be growing. Yeah, exactly. So what would you say your top three crops are then? Top three crops. Uh, lettuce is definitely number one, followed yep. by tomatoes is definitely number two. And I think number three is cucumbers, actually. Yeah, that, that's, that makes, that's actually makes sense. Where do carrots end up in that ranking? Carrots, carrots sell extremely well, um, as do our radishes and turnips. Um, but the, the carrots, we do not sow as much of. They just take a lot longer. Yeah. So, uh, we don't, you know, like when we grow beds, they sell out very quickly. Um, yeah. But it takes so much longer. Like I can get two cuts of, of, or two rotations of lettuce in by the time, you know, I'm getting one crop of carrots out. So it's, it's kind of yeah. a give and take situation. Yeah, it's the dollars per square foot week are not anywhere near as good as lettuce. Um, yeah, but you have to grow enough of them to keep people coming back for their stuff, I find. So, yeah, we've actually, we did throw around dropping carrots completely because there's some very good organic farms 20 minutes from us that do a great job with carrots. But, um, you know, carrots is just something I think we're going to keep growing. It's just one of those signature crops that I've always done really well. And so I'm going to try to keep doing it. So, yeah, for us, you know, it's, we're, we have an advantage. Uh, we have this super sandy soil. So our, mm -hmm. our really strong, like really straight. And uh, so we have an advantage there. It's just the farm is so small. It's, it's yeah. yeah it's You're very limited on that. Yeah. On what you can, um, what's going to get cut. Um, uh, probably cutting a lot of arugula. Um, we had a, arugula, we had a greens mix, like a huge brassicas greens mix. And um, that just did not sell nearly as well as lettuce. Yep. Um, so we'll be cutting that. Um, we're going to ease back on our, our squash and, and zucchini. Okay. And um, yeah, I think that's what's getting cut uh, this year. Yeah, we're definitely cutting back arugula. I think we'll maybe do like three plantings just for CSA. But squash and zucchini, funnily enough, are actually getting added to. Really? 
we yeah we could not we did not we could not grow enough. Um, we sell to an online farmers market called Market Wagon, and um, you know we just can't sell enough of it on there. So it's um, it blew our mind. We obviously branded it kind of. Uh, we did an heirloom mix of squash where we did the Costata Romanesco and we did the Zephyr and that sold out really well. But um, yeah, we sold a lot of squash. Yeah, I mean we sell a fair amount, but yeah, we're selling it in squash season and either everyone is growing their own squash or yeah. everyone at the market has squash and so yeah. for us lettuce we we can grow lettuce year-round like that is, yeah. that is focus on and people drop lettuce at the farmer's market in the middle of summer and we still yeah. have it and so when everyone else has squash and zucchini you know they they may not be coming to our table to get it but they will be coming to our table to get lettuce and so yeah got to balance that out yeah salad mix is always going to win so, yeah. So, you know, with the nine to five with the kids, how do you make sure to focus on what's the most important every day on the farm? One thing at a time. Okay. <laughs> that, morning, that morning farm walk really helps. You know, I, I make my coffee in the morning. I go out mm-hmm. and, and I walk around the farm and I, I'm just looking and I'm like, okay, what needs to get done? And, and for me where I'm at, you know, like weeding, I don't spend a ton of time weeding. Mm-hmm. It's, one day a week I'll weed, but priority goes to harvesting and flipping beds. And that's kind of where I'm at as far as like the process. And like, I'm not building a ton of infrastructure. If I do, it's just like, oh, I got an extra yeah. hour to spend on that. But like, as far as like farm work, it is harvest and bed flip. And it's just figuring out which beds need to go when and yeah. what crop you need to just like cut the loss and, and, and flip it and go. So that's just that morning farm walk so that I know what I have to do that afternoon when, when I get, get home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, what do you think um, will be your, like your moving forward? What are like your next um, big projects or like uh, advancements in the farm? So next big projects, um, like I said, we have that other bit of acreage that we're working on. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm opening that ground up right now with chickens. So I have my, I rotate my chickens, but I've had them sitting there for a couple of weeks now trying to, to disturb the land and kind of eat up some of the weed seeds and grass. And so my, my goal here is over the next uh, couple of weeks and moving into to spring is to kind of turn that into a dry farming system where okay. I might be able to do more squash and zucchini and some corn. So more, more crops that aren't necessarily um, market garden yeah. crops. Um, but more long-term crops that might just bring some more diversity to the table and something for our family table. Um, so yeah. that's kind of expanding out. Um, now I'm building them like I'm building the rest of my farm, because if I'm able to sink another well, then I'll be able to irrigate and the farm will be able to expand, but we're dealing with a, a low yielding well. And that has been yes. out, irrigating that's my brutal. plus, uh, you know, the yeah. house because we run off of our main house well. Um, now that Creek you've got that, that doesn't supply enough during the summer. It could, um, I'd have to build a cistern up kind of on the higher elevation to do some gravity feed. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I'd have to, again, that's just more capital that I have to tie up into building those cisterns. So it could, it definitely could. It definitely is a strong Creek. Yeah. Um, but I can get it pumped up there for sure. And I've dabbled with the idea of doing, using a Ram pump. Yeah. Use passive power and pump it up there and fill it. So. Yep. That would definitely work. I've definitely seen that. And uh, yeah, ram it up to as highest point and then use gravity to feed it back down 
under pressure. So, um, yeah, now with your, um, you also have the other enterprises. So you've got chickens, you've got the bees. Do you sell the honey or is that more just for pollination? Uh, it's, it's both. You know, when we, our, when we originally got our bees, it was, it was just for fun. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of honey our, our first year. We, mm-hmm. we sold a little bit of it and people just loved it. And so, I mean, it has just been people come to our, our farm stand and they're like, when's the honey coming? I ran out of your honey way too soon. And so it has been, has been mostly it was our, originally about pollination and just adding beneficial insects to our area. And slowly it's just become part of yeah. know, our farm as an identity. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they're just great to have around on the farm. You can't, you know, they're just an uh, essential part of every farm I feel. Yeah. Where are you on your thriving farmer journey? If you go to growingfarmers.com, you can click on our assessment, take our assessments, just a few questions. And what it will do is show you exactly where you are on the five stage thriving farmer journey. And what this will do then is give you some next steps, some resources that help you know what to focus on next in your business to move you to the next level with your farm. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, your, uh, you've, you've only been open for a couple of years, but let's say you were to like start over again. Is there anything you would change with your first build out? Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple things I changed. One, if, if I could start with a tunnel, I'd start with a tunnel. Mm. A tunnel has been absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, the fencing system that I use, I love the fencing system that I have, but I enclosed everything just too closer on the farm. Mm. And, Big open space is nice. If you if you've seen the pictures on Instagram, you know I have yeah. about a three foot walkway from the edge of my bed to the fence line, and it just gets really tight in there. And yeah. if I could fence in the entire perimeter of the farm to keep the be- deer and rabbits out, um, I think that would be a, a big change. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the layout. I, from the beginning, I standardized everything so that it was all the same and everything was uniform, and that has been. Uh, a huge game changer for me. It just makes life a lot easier. Yeah. We're switching all of our row covers to be the exact same size, all our irrigation to be exact same size. And it's, um, you know, just having one row cover you pull out is so nice. Yeah. So doesn't nice. matter what you to grab. There it is. Exactly. Yes. It's all the same. <clears throat> Talk a little bit about your kids' involvement. Now, what you talked about doing transplanting and stuff, do you try to intentionally like involve them in specific areas or are they just more of like they come along and, and just enjoy the, the experience with you? Yeah, I, I ask them what they want to do. I never want to force my kids into mm-hmm. doing anything because then they're going to grow up hating it, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I just, I ask them, hey, I'm going out to do this right now. Do you want to come and 50% of the time it's like, no, I'm going to the clubhouse to play. And yeah. you know, the other person is like, yeah, let's go plant some onions. And so we go plant onions together. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's special because, you know, they're just out there doing their the mundane task of like putting those plugs in the ground. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like creating so many memorable moments with them. And it's just, it's a magical experience when they do actually want to participate and, and have yeah. fun and learn. Now, have they asked about getting paid yet? They have not. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, I do. I do pay them at the farmer's market occasionally. Um, yeah. You know, my, especially my oldest daughter, um, they have a small garden. So if I have extra transplants, they'll plant some of my extra transplants in their garden. And um, they'll set up a small booth next to mine occasionally. And they'll try and get people to come in. I'm like, look, if you sell this, you get to yeah. keep the money. 
And so then they're starting to correlate growing food with earning money. And mm-hmm. that is a, is a good thing. They can kind of see the why beyond just the, you know, the ecological reasons and the, the lifestyle reasons that we're choosing the farm. Like there's actually profitability in what it is that we're doing. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Our, we do tips. They get tips that they carry as people's uh, produce to the car. So they've, they've, um, they've gotten pretty good at, at getting that. And then um, they do, they do, will do like my daughter will make little bouquets of different things. And sometimes they're like, okay, we have to have a little chat if this is actually a marketable item. But then that's another conversation we can have about, you know, you have to create something the customer wants. Um, and so that's something we've had with our older daughter um, because she, you know, she's into that mode right now. Not that she needs money, but she just wants to make things for people. It's kind of where I think it's coming from. Right. Yeah. My, my daughter does that too. She's like, look at this cool rock that I just colored. I'm like, I love it. But yeah. how much do you think someone is willing to pay for that? How much would you pay for that? And oh, so we have that conversation yeah. as well. Well, the other conversation we had today with them, the other is um, I had someone come to the bus and say, hey, I've got some presents I was going to give to my grandkids, but it turns out they got these other presents and they don't need these anymore. Would your kids be open to trading or bartering? So she wanted to teach them the bartering. And I was like, absolutely. So they bartered for like three pictures for these you know, fun gifts that they had gotten. They were thrilled. The people that came were thrilled. And they learned, you know, about, you know, back in the old day of how they, they would, you know, exchange goods. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of fun for them to experience that. Um, Talk a little bit about your marketing. So you're doing a farmer's market. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the the process behind that. Yeah. So that's primarily our our sales outlet right now. We do a direct to customer farmer's market sales. Um, we have a online web store as well where people can pre-order. And so that gives, so we drive out of town to a farmer's market. And so it's about a 25 minute drive to the farmer's market um, in the next city or town over. And so we do an online web system. So if people live in our County and they want to buy from the farm, they can buy it and then come to the farm. Mm-hmm. and pick it. Um, But so the marketing strategy, as far as, you know, the farmer's market is concerned, um, it's really how we present and display our items. We're constantly um, getting praise for our display and, and how it's set up yeah. and what it looks like. And, um, and it's just good quality, fresh produce. I think a lot of that is our post-harvest process as well, mm-hmm. right? So we're pulling it straight from the field and either hydro cooling it or putting it right in the cooler and it just keeps that much longer. And so a lot of that, the marketing strategy has been a good display and then word of mouth. So our sales increase from year one to year two and we're anticipating an increase from year two to year three, um, just based on that word of mouth, like our lettuce, you know, lasts for two weeks, two plus weeks in yeah. the refrigerator versus, you know, the stuff that you buy at the grocery store and it's going to be gone in, you know, five days if that. Yeah. And so that, that transparency and how I do things, why I do things. I have a lot of conversations with customers about, how we grow and why we grow like we grow. Yeah. Uh, and, and that has just been a phenomenal way to, to market uh, to the people that are directly, that we're directly selling to. Yeah. I like that um, triangle display you have in the corner there. Um, it's basically like 
did you build that? It's very simple. It's incredibly simple. And I really love how it sets you up there in the corner that you have scallions at the top. And then I think eggplants and tomato at the bottom. Did you come up that with yourself or? Um, I did not. I actually saw that on a farm somewhere and I stole the idea because I was oh, like, yeah. it's a great way to maximize vertical space and display things. And so, yeah, oh, I, yeah. I built it myself, but it's just, it just, it's hinged. So it folds flat. Oh yeah. It can slide right in the truck. And then I just put the bread baskets on it and it just, just, it works great. I love it. Yeah. If you go to Redfern Farm VA, um, I'm just trying to think this is what, maybe uh, it's maybe 30, 40 posts back. Um, But yeah, it's definitely from the summer. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Are you selling one pound bags of salad or is it, what size is those bags? Those are half pound. Yeah. We our number one seller on the farm is the one pound bag of salad. And we charge flat, we charge 10 bucks and people line up. Um, It's kind of like a little bit of a lost leader. We pull people in. I mean, literally last week I checked out three customers and all they bought was, you know, one or two bags of salad. But again, I'm more than happy to get $10 a pound for my lettuce. So that works. So um, but yeah, I know your, your display looks great. And, uh, so how many vendors are at the farmer's market? Um, during the main season, there's probably around 2022. Um, okay. and that's, you know, that's vegetable producers and crafts. And, you know, as far as vegetable producers at my market, there's probably, I think five or six. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And um, do you do any other marketing besides that? Or is it strictly through the farmer's market? Um, pretty much through the farmer's market. Um, you know, we, you know, my Instagram and Facebook, we have a Facebook page too. And we kind of, yep. the Facebook page tends to cater more towards um, folks that we're selling to. So a lot of the people that we're buying are buying from us at the market, go to our Facebook and we'll do updates on, you know, what's coming this week and, and, uh, know what's growing and and a little more uh, nitty gritty into the market specific stuff. And the Instagram is just more of the educational and um, big picture stuff. Um, We do um, email blasts. So we have, you know, when you use square, people are coming in and you're registering and getting their data on on the back end. And so we're able to do target marketing strategically, you know, throughout the, the growing season. You're like, Hey, don't forget, you know, this week we're having the farmer's market and it's just reminding them like, hey, the farmer's market here, red ferns coming, um, go to Kroger after farmer's market, yeah. you know, so we're kind of strategically putting those, those tidbits in there um, when we can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you, I'm noticing here in some of these pictures, uh, the broad fork you've got, what brand is that? That's a tread light. Tread light. Are you really happy with that? Yeah, it's super, super sturdy. Um, I actually, I don't use it anymore. Okay. (laughs) It's gotten to the point where it's just super, super soft. You know, the sandy loam in general is is like that. Um, So, but after a season, a season and a half of using it, I just stopped using it. And I probably won't use it again until I open up the new ground. Nice. Yeah. Not having to use that because that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, share a little bit about, um, you know, you've now started a farm. Um, you probably see other farmers starting to farm. What would you say some common mistakes that new farmers make are? I think the biggest one is not investing enough capital up front. And I think, you know, 
Mm. Some of that is it's it's hard to come up with the capital, right? You want to start the farm um, and you want to get it going, but you know where do you come up with those funds? But starting putting yourself at a disadvantage at first, you know, like I have a thousand bucks, I'm going to start my farm. Yeah, you could probably do it, right? You could probably bootstrap, and you know there could be a million different ways to do it. But the struggle that you're going to go through to get there might chase you out of farming. And I mm. see a lot of people trying to do that, like trying to start market gardening and farming with in at what I would consider inadequate startup. Yeah, and it really is a struggle bus from there. All right, so I, I like what you said there, but where do you think the thing is overcapitalizing where you grow too fast? What do you think the balance is there? Yep, I think about that one too. Cause I think about, you know, like one, starting my farm and like growing, like yeah. should I open up this other field plot? Like, do I have enough time? Am I going to be able to balance work, farming and family life? I, you know, I don't know. Um, but going too big too soon, I think is the other thing. Yeah. You know, I I don't know where that balance would be for me, right? My farm as it sits right now is an eighth of an acre. Yeah. And that for me is the right size. I can manage that one. It can be pretty hectic and stressful sometimes. And I definitely lean on my wife to do, to do, to help me out. And she's a champ about that too. Um, but yeah, I think if I went bigger than that eighth of an acre my first year, I think I would have lost it all to weeds and I would have been swamped. So balancing yeah. out, balancing those things, two things out, I think are two very important things to think about. Yeah. And I, I think obviously employees pay a role in this too. I think, you know, if you scale to where you need employees too soon, then obviously if you're wasting their time, then it's just, that's a, that's a, that's a downward spiral. Um uh, you have to have your systems in place first before you hire someone on. I think that's important. Boom. Yeah. I think that right there, I, that point right there is if you don't have the systems in place and you're struggling and flailing, and then there's no, you have no business hiring someone because you're both going to be really frustrated and you're both going to, um, yeah, you're both going to, yeah, you're going to probably go out of business really quick. So I think that's, that was really key right there. All right. Uh, what's your favorite tool on the farm? Favorite tool, uh, probably the quick cut greens harvester. My, my first season I was harvesting with a, a regular serrated yep. knife and the whole, that whole season I used that knife and I cannot believe how many farmers did that for, for so long. That was yeah. so much, so much time. And that, that tool saved so much time. I think that's probably why I feel like I can, I can, open more ground and do more things because yeah my harvest time has been cut like three quarters it's crazy oh yeah it's, those are that tool is incredible um so then what's your sharpening regiment for that um i have a like a round file and okay. i'll just fold it and i have three blades for it and i'll just file it when i have time or otherwise i'm just swapping the blades out Okay, so now the the round file is that like a chainsaw file style file yeah. or a little bit larger? Yep, yep. chainsaw okay. style file, and I'm just kind of rounding out through the the serrations. Yeah, and you take it off the, the the harvester to do that? Yeah, I take it off and put it in a bench vise. Interesting. Maybe that's our problem. We're trying to sharpen it on, which it works, but we just don't think I think we don't get the quite the sharpness on the blade that I would like. All right. So do you feel like now is the best time to start farming? 
I think the best time to start farming is when you're ready to start farming. Mm. Um, you know, if you're ready and you want to farm, I think it's a good time to jump in. Uh, I think more people are looking towards local organic foods, especially if you're, you know, you know, look at the pandemic and how it's kind of shaped the supply yeah. chain and food shortages. I mean, we had that rush on seeds last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people are getting into gardening and growing. And yes, I do think it's a great time to start farming, but I, I do think, you know, you got to realize what it takes and the, the time commitment that you're, you're giving up. You know, I think a lot of people think it's, it's easy. And it's not, it's hard work. You have to think about it. You have to know processes. You have to, there's a, you have to be a jack of all trades, you know, you have to know how to grow. You have to know how to read graphs to mend soil. You have to build infrastructure, tying in plumbing, electrical work. I mean, there's so much that I did. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. So if you, if you're ready for that undertaking and you, you're ready for the hard work that goes into starting a business, I think it's a great time to start farming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Andy. It's been great to kind of hear about your, uh, your farm and kind of the lifestyle you've created around it. Um, I just know how, in, how excited those, your kids must be and just how lucky they are to grow up on a small scale farm and just be able to enjoy that every day and uh, how lucky your community is that you're feeding them. So thanks again for coming on. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Thriving Farmers, have you checked us out on YouTube lately? We have a bunch of new content there, including a few rants by me. I want to tell you, you don't want to miss them. Um, I actually go rant about, you know, some of the problems I see in our space and some of the challenges I see farmers uh, facing. So go check that out. We've got instructional videos over there as well. Talk about setting up our new farm here in Ohio and all the steps we're going to do that, as well as just tutorials and tips on best practices for all sorts of things on the farm. So go ahead, check over at Growing Farmers on YouTube and see the new content we put together for you. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.